Hi and welcome to the first episode of Dunhill's podcast. You're listening to me, Fen, journalist and director. And in a few minutes, I'll be joined by Mark Weston, creative director of Dunhill and London-based musician Moses Boyd. This podcast really all stems from a desire to celebrate and explore collaborations of art and artists in our everyday life. But I don't mean that in a lofty sense. As a brand, Dunhill has always been rooted in music culture. Take it back to the 70s and Dunhill had its very own vinyl album, brilliantly named A Touch of Class. Throughout the decades, the brand has been immersed in music culture, from providing suits to the likes of Frank Sinatra to Cody Radical to collaborating with artists in each show's soundscape. It makes sense then that today we're going to talk to Moses Boyd, London-based drummer, composer and producer. With his work influenced by jazz, grime and electronic, there's no wonder why or how Mark felt so intrigued by this guy's work. In 2017, Moses found himself creating an original audio track exclusively for Dunhill's Paris Fashion Week men's show. So Mark Weston and Moses Boyd, how are you both? I'm very good. Very well, thank you. So today is all about music. I want to hear what is on your playlist at the moment. Um, well, Mark very kindly lent me some records, actually. The band's called Sounds of Liberation, and it's kind of like free jazz, funk, DIY, almost like Strata East, that sort of period, which is like my favourite period. And it's quite funny because I'd just seen Gary Bartz on Saturday oh, yeah. um, at the festival, who, yeah. who, I don't know, maybe we'll get into him later, but he's like one of my heroes I wouldn't be making music I don't think if it was a Gary Bartz and it just kind of completed a circle for me actually so I've been kind of in that world at the moment is that where you were late this morning because you were in this world <laughs> I was in that world <laughs> <laughs> jazz musician time yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the uh, a Giles Peterson show from last Saturday so I just mentioned to catch up on that when I can you know I've been listening to him for many years in terms of you know when he was first on Kiss FM and I've kind of grown up with listening to him and his and he's been an educator for me and, you know, got me into, I guess it's that inquisitive mindset that's taken me down different avenues. And so, yeah, I, I love what he does. And it's that inquisitive mindset that is kind of like where this relationship began between you guys. I guess it began summer season. Yeah, summer 19. Yeah. 19, yeah. I was invited to just attend the Dunhill fashion show in Paris. And after the show, we were having dinner and I was sat opposite Mark and his wife, Sophie. And um, I remember just talking to Mark about music, you know, which is, I mean, something I do and I like to do. But it was really interesting because I remember Mark mentioned Max Roach. And for me, it's like if anyone mentions Max Roach, you know, for those that maybe don't know, he's a famous drummer. He's one of my favorite drummers. It kind of instantly was like, okay, this is like interesting you know <laughs> like you know the creative you, knew. Yeah, you were like yeah, what yeah. am it you know there are certain names in certain fields if you mention yeah. it's just like okay this, this is gonna be not, fun yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and yeah we had a great conversation and kind of just kept in contact just like this is an interesting person i'm an interesting person hopefully <laughs> you know and we just had a really good time just talking about music art london life you know and we kind of kept in touch and i just go checking at downhill every now and again we talk about more music and stuff mm. and then it kind of just snowballed into I guess a working relationship where I was fortunate enough to work on the music for the last two seasons of uh, the downhill show creating music to go with the walk and you know all of that kind of stuff and now you're going into the third season now I'm going to the third yeah um take us back to that moment where you first played Mark what you were going to play for the, on the show in my head I guess I'd never written music for uh, a runway show I have a brother that's in fashion that makes yeah. clothes. So I'm not 
anywhere near that knowledgeable of fashion, but I just kind of understand a little bit of how it works. So in my head, I was seeing this whole scene of like, you know, six to eight minutes, different looks coming out. And I almost saw it like this sonata. So I remember showing up to Mark's office with like an eight minute composed piece of like, yeah, then it moves through this section here. And then <laughs> and it was just funny because looking back on it, it's like how we now work is so different. Yeah. Like, now I'll send Mark like a 10 second idea and he's like, yeah, I really like that in that and we'll build on that. But it's actually just quite funny looking back. I had a whole suite <laughs> composed um, and Mark was like, oh my gosh, like, I wasn't expecting this much this yeah. soon, you know. I guess, I guess it's kind of down to kind of our organic relationship and how that's kind of blossomed through just conversations. And um, I remember us talking about the collection and then the first the first time you came in, obviously it's probably the second time we we're probably meeting in that in that kind of capacity. And for you to produce this body of work, basically, I was just blown away that I wasn't expecting that complete with so many different layers yeah. in it. So it was like, I was like, whoa, this is, this is quite incredible. I guess for me, it's very easy to kind of see beginning to end in a piece. Or maybe, maybe not. It's just I'm used to sort of thinking yeah. of it like that. But I kind of had to kind of get you out of that way of thinking and sort of maybe put myself in Mark's world a bit where it's like, there's these looks, there's this emotion, there's this mood and trying to find where that matches in certain like qualities maybe it's like a simp sound I've used maybe it's like a drum part maybe it's a tempo and like really kind of simplifying it not in a sort of intellectual way but like just stripping it back to be like okay well what's important here do you know what I mean how does this reflect what Mark is trying to do with the show yeah. you know because I think I have a very easy way of kind of overcomplicating things musically yeah. sometimes and um, it was really interesting you know we go downstairs and he'd show me these mood boards of like you know pictures design ideas cloths fabric and then I'm thinking okay cool 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 and then I'm listening to my thing and seeing all my music and seeing all of this depth and being like well to me the focus is the show mm. the, 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 the clothes and the runway and that whole setup and it's like how do I support all of that do you know mm. what I mean and it was just really us kind of just bouncing between the music being like oh I really like that or me playing it to Mark and kind of seeing where his ears jump up like, okay there's a little note he liked that but okay cool I could work with that or developing maybe one idea um, within a section of maybe four sounds or rhythms or something and then just kind of really extrapolating for a long time it was like I was moving things around I was putting that here taking that out loads of different versions and you know which is kind of actually how I like to work I don't like to set on something until I'm sure obviously it's very clear why this collaboration works so well listening to you both now it's very clear you're both pretty meticulous when it comes to collaborating so how did you know at the very beginning that this was the right move um I'll be think... honest, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's 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 interesting because I guess I've collaborated in a lot of spheres, and it's always just like a feeling, really. It's like yeah. some of them on paper, you look at it and it's like, why did Moses do that? But it always kind of goes back to just how it feels, you yeah. know. And on like a human level, it's not about just the music, the brand, or whatever. It's like, do I feel I can contribute something, or find? Do I feel I can kind of add? myself into the their world yeah. that's kind of always my thing and if i don't feel i can do that i'm very open to be like i'm not the person yeah. do you know what i mean whoever it is whatever it is whatever the fee is i'm not very much that person it's like but this was something i never done before and i was really open to trying it and also just talking to mark it's like i can see it's a very genuine thing i think not having an agenda other than 
I'm really interested about this person. I like what yeah. they do. You know, I try and have that with collaborations that it's got to feel genuine. I think you, you know you use mm. that same word. It's I think if you're genuine about a connection and you're going to give the best of it because it's going to be more heartfelt. It's going to be something that you're really into. Mm. The moment you're forced into a situation, you know, and that's not just necessarily you know in a in a kind of a meeting scenario. It can be in other things in your kind of you know your kind of working career, but. I think to create something quite special, you've got to be quite open about it, and you've mm. got to. And that's why I love working with Moses that as a as a creative. You know, I have huge respect for him as a musician. You know, I'm not a musician, mm. um, um, but having a conversation and seeing where things can go, but also leaving space, leaving mm. kind of a. It's your what? What do you think? These are kind of what's in my head. And I think it's that back and forth, bouncing back and forth, and uh, and just seeing where something can go, and kind of leaving it slightly organic. You know, and I think to some people, you know, I'm I'm very structured as a person, but I'm also I fight against that structure where creatively you've got to let things breathe a bit or let it percolate, just sit with it for a little while. Don't try and make or force it to to be something. So, Mark, none of your family worked in fashion. Um, how did you get here? Uh, so, I never thought I'd end up doing what I'm doing. Actually, I was always really into art, but I never. I never thought I'd be in fashion. I was um, really obsessed with kind of graphics when I was at school. Did very well at it. Um, and that was for me, it was like, right, that's it. That's kind of my passion. I think I loved the precision with it, but also the experimentation with it, you know. And as I kind of went on to, to kind of further study at A-levels and then onto a foundation course, I met a group of people that, um, through friends of mine that were into into music and a music that I'd never really heard before. Um, so that kind of opened me up to that, but that's a that's a, a segue onto that. <laughs> um, but going to a foundation course, and which is basically a, a, a year's course where you you can experiment a week in a different discipline. So it might be a week in photography, a week in fashion and textiles, a week in graphics, a week in fine art, to see where your natural gravity is towards a certain craft or a certain um, application, let's say, or process. And, you know, I found it hugely valuable. Whereas when I went onto the course, I did the graphics. I was quite excited about, you know, being doing the graphics week and hated it. Absolutely mm. hated it. It's um, The tutor wasn't very inspiring <laughs> or, or necessarily maybe what I thought graphics was about, you know. So it's not, you know, it's, but I think it's, you know, having someone who's leading in, into a certain craft and them either being inspiring or not, you know, kind of sways you into your, you know, your interest in it. Um, so after that, I was, you know, I was still, I think it's, I think it's, it's still like I am today. I'm very open-minded. I think I'm very, probably a bit too relaxed maybe for some <laughs> people. But, um, but it, it was, it was great to be able to then go into a different discipline and, and I did a week in fashion and textiles and the tutor that was incredible. Uh, a woman called Jane Howarth and um, she was just hugely inspiring and you know as I did the work through that and specialised and you know and talked about um, the next points which were going to be degree level um, and she was suggesting oh you know Bristol is a great university it's got a great music scene so all the even from that age I think the musical part of influencing me and what I was about I think was already starting to form mm. quite well and, and it was super exciting and I think for me it's never really left you know it's always been a connection where I can't se separate the two you know I, you know and we think about kind of style cultures and particularly British style cultures all the very cliched ones but mm. they've always they're never 
devoid of music it's style but there's always a, a musical movement that goes with it so it's it's always fascinated me would would you say that these style cultures are a massive influence to each of your collections for me they yes mm. i think music comes into everything i do either in a, a more minimal way or a or a very kind of strong way i think that for me is the really interesting part of starting to look back at or british culture really um and you, Moses, and I talk about it quite a lot, actually. Mm. Um, and being, you know, having, you know, being a creative editor for a British luxury brand, it's it's important that there has that. It's grounding, I think, for me, is um, that it's it's real. It comes from somewhere real. So those points, I think, yes, it's back to a moment and a feeling of a certain musical, you know, um, genre or movement or artist. Um, but then the association of stylistically, I guess, what that that connection was and I think that's a super interesting part that and playing with them contradicting them mm. you know whether it be sort of Sloan Rangers but then there's also Terrace Casuals which actually had similar kind of approaches to dress but one was being provocative and subversive another one was being more conformist mm. so I kind of yeah, loved that dynamic and I yeah. think having contradiction is is a very British thing what's exciting for me also is to talk about it and link it into design and to link it into the world of a you know luxury company for me is quite unexpected not mm. i didn't do it because i thought oh let's do something unexpected it just felt natural to be able to talk about britishness or british style culture or references or codes um in a new way that you know the, the house had never done before mm. so for me it was like oh we're, we're going to new world we're going mm. to a new territory here and you know to kind of probably when people start thinking about it and you know think about this kind of conversation today all downhill music i didn't really yeah. what's the connection kind yeah, of thing yeah, and, yeah. and i like that i like the fact of people being a bit confused by it yeah, yeah. and in a way because it's not a natural thing but actually but it, you know as we've talked today it's so natural yeah. but mm. it's just about being able to kind of to showcase it to to be able to kind of have conversations about it you know that, yeah. that becomes super exciting uh, um well on that note I kind of want to quickly wrap it up with some of the pioneers, the musical pioneers that Dunhill has worked with. Yeah. Going from Frank Sinatra to Mike Skinner to Elvis Presley to Moses Boyd. Doctor, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> why do you think that this is? There are people that I discovered in the, in, in the archive that had this connection with Dunhill. And um, I think it probably at the time it was more the connection to quality, to a moment when maybe the brand was quite hot for them at that mm. time you know and, and something they want to be part of you know I think it is a, a quality part that when I talk about you know when I discover a bit more of the whole Frank Sinatra and I found his tailoring ledger from from New York you know from I think it was 80, 82 to 85 but his love and you know passion for the brand um, to create him something beautiful that, um, and was kind of stylish and, and timeless um, and then obviously Elvis with his lighter his roller gas lighter so I kind of also look at that I, I mean, I I don't know their associ I don't really know their kind of their association other than what I can see from looking at it through my eyes now. Yeah. So I think that's it's just super interesting that those people who have been part of the brand's history, you know, and these these people who are rebe rebels almost or pioneers, mm. you know, um, about people who want to change something or have their own insistence and uh, an intuition to kind of change something. So, and I think that for me is what the you know what I find really inspiring about the company's history and um and our kind of you know as Alfred Dante first started off this innovation of looking mm. forward and you know change you know um but doing because you believe in it and you can see what can come out of it um but also then coming to, to today and working with you know Mike's going to come to the show and you know I, mean, I had a great conversation with him as well and obviously working with, with Moses I think it's 
I kind of put it down to a, a like-minded kind of collaboration with, you know, who we are and where we're going mm. um, mm. and building on that. Mm. Moses, did you know about um, no. this? You didn't? No, 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 no. Um, yeah, it's interesting for me because, yeah. you know, Frank Sinatra being a legend, obviously Mike Skinner, do you know what I mean? It was called Meeting Mike. That was the show, mm. the first show I went to and stuff. But I guess it is kind of what Mark was saying, just that, that like-minded thing. And we often talk about it a lot and... Um, Mark was very like open early on to be like he wants to build this community mm. that is very organic and very you know not that there's for any other reason it's just the organic community and it was mm. quite interesting working with Mark and then going to the first show and then just talking to him about people that I'm connected with so you know like people like James Messiah mm. uh, Obong JR um, Koji Radical mm. and I think what was funny last year, I had a moment um, where we were in Paris and I showed up, me and my fiance, and I sat down next to her. I turned my, to the left and Robin Katz was there. And yeah. we had never mentioned about I knew Robin or he knew Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to play with bands in Robin and he's an art dealer and a jazz musician. Mm. And it was so like, oh, why? Of course. You know, yeah. one of them sort of like yeah. light bulb, of course yeah. you're here. Like, yeah. And then also Reuben James, mm. like. Yeah. <clears throat> a very 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 good friend of mine um you know i think he came in to do a fit in the the week i went to see mark a couple of weeks ago yeah, yeah. and it's just interesting to me seeing the vision that mark was talking about kind of happening you know like i never imagined not never but it's just the fact that my close friend reuben james is going in for a fit in the week before i arrive and robin's there and they're doing something with uh, james messiah you know it's really cool and it's testament i guess to the brand like what we were sort of saying with elvis or frank sinatra like those are like giants of their time so it's mm. like well how are you sort of doing that now do you know mm. what i mean and that's why I'm, it's so good to see like reuben or robin and james messiah or whoever mike skinner reggie yates and all of these yeah, people yeah, you know yeah. so yeah it's yeah. it's interesting and people who genuinely love the brand yeah, yeah, yeah. well that's exciting yeah. for me to see and you know yeah. and for you almost to surmise it, it yeah, yeah, to, yeah. that's that was that is the purpose of it it yeah. is it is really it should be genuine and i mean mm. that wholeheartedly and i think it's kind of testament to, I guess, how we've worked together and how, you know, all these different connections have come together and it's six degrees of separation. Yeah. Ah, so you know, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we've had a lot of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I'm really, I'm really excited and also really happy to see that we've managed, we're managing to do it on a, on a very human level, mm. you know, and it should be about that. It should be, I think, I think being a fashion, not what I say, being in the world of fashion, let's say, I think it, it was very, it was very important to me that it didn't come, it wasn't misconstrued as, okay, they're jumping on Moses Boyd, who's super cool at the moment. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, so that's why they made the connection. It's like, well, it's not, you know, it's, mm. and that's what's really important to me. It's about people and their output. It's meritocracy. It's it's kind of doing things that you really believe in. You know, it's mm. coming back to that point I was saying about, you know, in our history of, you know, having uh, Frank Sinatra and Elvis, you, you're the pioneers, you know. Mm. Um, in different ways and in different times but I think it's it is about that it's about doing something because you believe in it doing something because it's right mm. you know doing something with quality because you believe in it and and working hard you know that's another part of uh, that I, I really believed in and um, my parents were very keen to kind of drill into me of you're not going to get anything for free mm. so you've got to work your ass off to kind of get to where you want to get you True. know whatever you want to do you do um, but you've got to put the time in, you know, yeah. and that's always stuck with me. And I, I, again, you know, 
try and teach that to my teams as well that you know come on let's do this it's kind of think let's think hard about this and kind of and when you're doing something in a very passionate way um it it's not like work or it's not hard you know this the graft is you love doing it you know so you will spend 12 hours doing it but you love doing it and you mm. you know you get a result at the end of it and you move and you adapt and um yeah so it's 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 great to kind of sort of bring it back to the kind of this community idea is I think that's been a connection as well of mm. It's, mm. it's got to be human it's yeah. got to be yeah. you know and that's why I love and where it goes we're just exploring it and I, and again back to that kind of openness and not super structured it's I, I love that and it can mm. it, it takes different forms mm. final thing before we close out um you're both incredible creatives what is the one thing that you hope people get from your craft hmm I'd say honesty, honesty, because I think honesty encompasses a lot of things. Like, if there's a record I worked on really quickly, you can hopefully hear that. If it <laughs> took a lot, you know, like, honesty, I don't like to put out things just f anything. Statements are, I don't like to just say things for the sake of saying it. If I'm doing this, there's usually a reason behind it, you know what I mean? Um, and I think if you genuinely like and support what I do, it's like, it's a journey. Do you know what I mean? I'm not the same person I was when I released Riley and Shuffle. So mm. if I show up with a country album one day, no, it was real. Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> That's it, really. Mm. So how do, you, how do you feel that working together has not changed you, but kind of given you, a, has it given you any different ways of thinking about something or has it taken on a different path or an explorative something that you didn't really expect before? Yeah, it's definitely given me like another path, but I think it's probably reinforced more what I maybe I knew, but didn't feel as strong kind of things I was talking about before, where it's like, you know, other people may not get it and may not see it. And when I say see it, not like there's some master plan where I'm like, mm. oh, if I do this, it's done here, it will lead to this. Like, no, it's like things work because if you're genuine and you have integrity behind them, something will happen. Do you get me? Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of not changed, but reinforced that notion in my head where it's like, you know, you don't have to have this master plan all the time. Mm. Like sometimes intuition and your belief and your interest and that inquisitiveness you have. Like I was at my nephew's four-year-old my four-year-old nephew's birthday party this weekend I was just watching him play and I was like man like I want that again mm. do you know what I mean and I'm always kind of chasing like I gave him a remote control car how excited and how new and fresh this was to him I'm always trying to find that in a record mm. in a collaboration in a show and you know my band get so annoyed with me I'm like now we're changing it this time and we're doing yeah. this and you know and I'm like I'm always trying to keep that thing and I think collaborations like this have sort of reminding me of that like you should really be involved for me you should be involved in things because you love it and you're trying to challenge yourself and you're trying to find new inspiration in avenues and areas you may not have because that's the thing i don't think on paper i would have done something like this hmm. maybe on paper is not the right way to say it but i was open enough to 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 try it mm. and by trying it it's like opened me up to so many things to, to even meeting you and yeah. you know and going to different places and seeing different things and seeing different worlds where now I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Even to like, you couldn't make it, but like my show at Fabric. Um, yeah, I was really yeah, frustrated you know. I couldn't be there, yeah. But like, you know, um, even just the way I staged that, I was like, okay, well, this is no more just the gig. Like, I'm thinking about these Dunhill shows and how they 
you know how it's a whole production and like I'm like okay well I've got to work out the lighting and you know the staging and all like you know little things yeah. like I'm seeing everything more like in a bigger picture where like music is just one part did you, you give know? them a cat off Kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the video will soon drop. I had these like marching drummers kind of processing, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and I think that's what doing these things have kind of not changed, just reinforced. I would say. Yeah. What I'm hoping that people get from visually where Dunhill's going is the is the sense of being meticulous, being really hard on yourself to kind of get that not perfection because that doesn't exist, but something that reflects who you are and that you really believe in so since this podcast is all about music i kind of want you to choose artist tracks go to artists go to tracks on your playlist oh okay aptly i'd have to start with max roach because <laughs> i guess that's kind of what binded us really or not bind that sounds really harsh <laughs> that's what intrigued both of us well how we both met so i'd say maybe like Max Roach. Let's do like drums, also waltz. It's like a really famous solo drum piece by the master Max Roach. Um, Mark gave me this record by Angela Bofield. Bof- yeah. yeah, yeah. The album's Angel of the Night. Track people make the world go round, and I was just listening to it yesterday. It's such like a, it's just a great dance floor tune. Um, what else? I would add the Lovers Rock classic written by my friend Dennis Bovell um, Silly Games sung by Janet Kay um, I don't know if we've talked about maybe we have I'm not sure if we've talked about this song but it's very important for me just being like you know of West India descent and Lovers Rock I find quite interesting because although it sounds very similar to reggae in some respects and it might be seen as Jamaican it was a very British revolution. Mm. Like, you know, if I talk to like my aunties and uncles and grandparents that were in the West Indies, they don't really deal with Lover's Rock. They were like, well, we had reggae, we had mental, we had yeah. Lover's Rock was you guys' thing. Yeah. And I feel that's really important because that's like my parents' generation and what they were going through is summarised as a very important space in time, whether it was like musically, how people were getting together to dance, sound system-wise and yeah. all of that. Brilliant track list. And yourself? <laughs> I first got into, I guess, kind of music really when I was younger through friend, a friend of mine who whose brother and his friend were doing um, just a, a, a musical night down at the in Maidstone in Kent, which you would never expect at the time. This is going back into this is like ninety, where was that ninety one, ninety two, and for me it was like it was. It, it just made me feel alive where I was discovering music through these two guys, like Richard Saiso and uh, Julian Ireland, um, that I'd never heard before. That it, was just, it, it just blown my mind. I was thinking, where does this music come from? How does it even exist? How does, you know, and you start to see the covers of these albums and you're like, oh my God, even that's another whole incredibly visual and, you know, an inspirational and exciting world of how do these ex- even exist, you know? Um, so, one of the first things that I'd heard there, which I'd never heard before, was um, the Brazilian artist Joyce. And it was a moment where Rare Groove had kind of just, it kind of been going for maybe a year or so, I guess. Um, and it was sounds basically were happening in London. But this was coming down to a, a small town in Kent that, you know, that, would, that wasn't really connected to that kind of sound. Or um, 
but a few people started playing out and it kind of it, it, not, it didn't it's not it wasn't a scene at all but it was really exciting to be listening to things in your own hometown that was people were talking about in london and you know it was a bit of a scene so it felt really special and almost that uh, it felt like i was part of something that no one else really knew about in that um uh, in the town um so i kind of you know, I, I heard this track by Joyce, which was, um, I'm going to pronounce it completely wrong because I don't speak Portuguese, Portuguese but Aldea Jogum, I think it's called. Um, it was just so exquisite. It's beautiful. Her vocals, um, the production on it, the instruments, the guitars. It was so sparse and so beautiful. I just fell in love with it. So a lot of my musical knowledge is kind of that and also kind of listening to the, to the radio and sort of pirate radio and, and Giles Peterson. Um, kind of really opened my knowledge to it so then it became like copious amounts of lists of trying to kind of oh god right making books of you know you know uh, uh, of, uh, of an address book with all these different albums all the tracks that you know i wanted to kind of pick up um so that's one of my all-time kind of favorites um i guess going on from there um and again something that kind of blew me away when i first heard it which is obviously atmosphere dancing out space and then the fact that actually it came from england was just like you know it kind of just like how how does this not how does this happen but it's like oh my god this is incredible coming from england um so that i kind of of love for ever since i heard it um another one which is a bit kind of my style really and we talked about it before is i think in when you're collecting records and sounds you can kind of you can get in really deep and you can get deeper and deeper and down a rabbit hole and um and you can kind of get lost in the world of that records can go in different levels where it can be something that's very popular and very easy to get hold of to something you know incredibly rare um now the rarity can also mean that it's it may not get into your head you know but it because of its pressing or because of its associations or because of its um connections it's it's super collectible so that pushes the price up so it's quite interesting looking at you know from from that angle but for me um I like a a charity shop diamond, I think mm. is a good way to put it, where, and I'm also, I love looking at, again, people who have put out music that are, are very good, maybe commercially, but I kind of like finding the kind of tension between something kind of really quite rare or unknown, like the Sounds of Liberation album um, that Moses was mentioning earlier, um, that I, I lent him and we both really love. Um, but then also finding on the other side a carpenter. I, I found a, I heard a track by carpenters, and I showed, this is one I shared with you. And to discover the, the kind of it's a track called um, "All I Can Do." Um, it's on an album called "Ticket to Ride," so it's a really easy. You know, you can pick it up anywhere almost. But to discover that going through when you're finding someone who's very who's iconic, you know, who's got an, you know someone like Karen Carpenter who's got an incredible voice, but she was a wicked drummer. Yeah. He's a wicked drum. I mean, you, you, know, you know her prowess better than me. Um, so to kind of discover something like that, and it's a really short track, and I always play it several times over because it's just too short. I mean, all the best tracks are, aren't they? Um, so I kind of love discovering that, and that's kind of one of my all-time kind of discoveries. That and you discovered that in a charity shop. Uh, yeah. Great. And, and just thinking, you know, like, well, this is interesting. And I, actually, you know, I, I'd, I'd heard it through someone playing it and it was like, oh, my God, OK. And I found it in the charity shop. So I was like, brilliant, you know, so kind of. And I loved that, you know, the fact of a record isn't 
necessarily great because it's of its rarity mm. it can be just as good if it's widely accessible and you know and cheap it's essentially but if it's a quality track it's a quality track i think we're going to make a playlist of all those tracks mm-hmm. so that people can listen to them or go to them um as soon as they finish this podcast which is about now yeah <laughs> thank you Brilliant. so much um, thank you for having yeah, us yeah pleasure to talk to you bro thank likewise you.